When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I am your host, Ramses Ja. And sometimes the amount of stories that make their way to us means that we simply can't cover everything that comes our way. But from time to time, a story just stays with me, and I feel compelled to share it with you and give you my thoughts. And now, one more thing. All right, so most of the time when I do this segment, one more thing, it's because there's something in the news that maybe needs a little more perspective or there's something missing to, you know, to the conversation um, or s- something like that, you know, but it's, it's based on something in the news. Well, today's episode is not based on something that's in the news. And at the same time, it's based on something that's in the news all the time, funnily enough. Uh, but the source of today's content, the nexus of the thought, um, happened over the past weekend. I actually went to a football game and uh, was with a crowd of people, mixed crowd of people who had different ideas on, you know, what was happening with the country. You know, you see a lot of patriotism at football games. Um, and you know, a lot of folks had a lot to say. And of course, everyone wants to talk to me because I do this show and I do my radio show. And, um, I'm very much in love with black people and want what is best for all people. But I, I realize the need in the black community is far greater than, uh, some other communities in this country. So again, folks want to know my thoughts. And these type of conversations tend to cover a lot, but more often than not, they will uh, broach the subject of policing. And so that's what I want to talk about today. So the question that I want to ask and ultimately answer is, why do we trust police? And 
we're going to talk about something called propaganda. We're going to talk about how the media affects our um, impression. Uh, and we are going to also discuss like real examples of how police conduct themselves in such a way to where they are able to kind of chronicle the narrative in their favor. And, you know, at the end, I think that we're going to figure out how we can learn to see two sides of a story because a lot of folks have very, uh, they, they have difficulty seeing the other side. You know, people are very pro-cop. It's hard to see how police can make mistakes. Of course, there's certain examples, but how to see a system that is uh, failing all of us. Um, and of course, folks that are very critical of the police. Um, oftentimes, people like us uh, overlook examples of police doing good work. So I want to start at the beginning. Again, the question, why do we trust police? Now, this is not me guessing. Um, this is based on research. You know, this is, I live this life. You know, I, I peel back the layers. That's what I'm supposed to do. And I don't know everything, but I certainly know enough to offer an opinion on something that exists beyond me in my own narrative. And uh, if you close your mind, you close your eyes and you envision in your mind an officer. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, some of the first things that come to mind should be. Um, this officer is brave. This officer makes the community better, makes the community safer, not terrorizing the community, him or herself. Uh, some other things that might come to mind, this officer tells the truth, is honorable. This officer um, is a good person. And we have to be mindful that policing like many industries, many disciplines, has evolved, but it has not evolved in the same way. Um, for most disciplines and industries, um, the evolution of these disciplines is based around what will make the most money. This is true in a capitalistic society. Um, but I believe the evolution of policing and certainly in the past 40 to 50 years in this country, is not necessarily based on uh, capitalistic factors, but rather based on fear and fear-mongering. Now, this has always been true of policing, ever since uh, the film, The Birth of a Nation, that showed the Ku Klux Klan as the saviors of white women um, who were being uh, attacked by black men. Uh, you know, fear has really caused people to do some strange things that are, you know, these unfounded fears. Um, but if you don't know that the fears are unfounded and you take them at face value, then of course we end up where we are. So we have a discipline, policing, that has not evolved uh, in such a way that it is better for all people and constantly moving in that direction. 
Um, but rather we have an, an, a discipline, an institution that is, um, further insulated from the, uh, problems, shortcomings and solutions. Uh, it's, it's harder for folks who are police officer or very pro police to see the shortcomings of the institutions, um, as being prevalent enough to really warrant any real changes on a systemic level. And we are, th those people who are very pro cop, who are police themselves are not the only ones. There's a lot of people in the middle who, you know, left to their own devices. If you ask them just general questions about policing, they would tend to assume that police are the good guys often enough. And they may be right, but the reason that's in your head, the reason you're not critical of policing in the way that you might be critical of other disciplines, the reason that you might not hold the evolution of policing to the same standards as you would hold the evolution of other disciplines, other practices, other, you know, um, sectors of the, of the, uh, population is because of one thing, uh, known as copaganda. Um, in brief, the history, and it's just like it sounds, but in brief, the history of copaganda, I believe comes from uh, a show called Dragnet. And um, in Hollywood, um, in order for the uh, producer of Dragnet to get access to like real police stories um, and be able to recreate those stories for television, the police wanted some say in how they were portrayed. Right. And, uh, this practice continued ever since then is still in place now. This is why the vast majority of um, police films are about the police being the good guys, you know, never doing anything wrong. The police are the most honorable folks in the world, right? And it's social conditioning over many years that causes us to not really question the morals of police or the intentions of police. Um, and there's one notable exception, of course, that comes to mind. I'm sure there are others, but one that comes to mind is that when you do think of uh, a crooked cop um, in, uh, in film or on TV, you think of Denzel uh, in Training Day. And it's funny how that worked out. Anyway, copaganda has a degree of influence on us. And it makes it more challenging for us to be critical of policing, uh, makes it more challenging for us to be critical of uh, the individuals and the systems in place. But food for thought, you know, are we conditioned to give the benefit of the doubt, to accept at face value what the police are saying, to allow them to chronicle the narrative themselves? and assume that they have nothing to hide or there's no more to the story. Copaganda is one such thing that has subtly influenced a society over many years. Um, another thing is news outlets, media. Um, as you may or may not know, uh, 
oftentimes police will send out to media outlets, sort of like press releases. You know, here's what happened. Uh, officer involved shooting. Um, you know, they use very vague language to uh, articulate an incident. And news outlets often enough take that as verbatim um, and read it verbatim on the air, on social media, you name it. Um, they don't go and ask any of the witnesses. They don't go and, you know, they, they it's a little bit more challenging, a little bit more difficult for them to put that story together, you know? Um, so it's just police say that the suspect was, you know, what you, you, you can hear this in your, in your mind. You can hear it. Um, and this police say, a statement often enough doesn't tell the full story. Um, it allows again what the police say to be chronicled, um, their narrative to be chronicled. And that doesn't always paint the most accurate picture, but it causes us again to uh, further trust police because the media presents the police's side of the story with carefully crafted language that sometimes is very vague um, and doesn't tell the other side. Now, um, a suspect, uh, officers believe the suspect fired at least one shot. Um, and, you know, then 60 shots were fired back. <laughs> but if you really dissect the language, officers believe the suspect fired at least one shot, you know, um, or if, if you something like a, a, a weapon was present, you know, it's not illegal to have a weapon in this country, you know, but again, the police are writing this language, sending it to the media outlets and they just parrot it. And so we are less critical because we're only getting one side of the story. We don't know that there could potentially be another side because I work in media, but all of us don't. And so all of us don't know that. Um, another thing to consider is that, you know, uh, we often will take police officer stories as fact. Um, this could be, uh, the fact that police officers will cover up their misdoings and then just um, restate uh, what happened in a way that paints them in a flattering light. This could be in person, you know, what, whatever the case is. And this is something that uh, police are very good at. They're very good at covering up their own uh, shortcomings, we'll call it. We'll be kind. Um, and they're also good at covering up each other's um, issues, say. And, you know, these police cover-ups is a lot more, they're, they're a lot more prevalent than you may know. And they don't always happen on a grand, massive scale. Um, oftentimes, it's just a matter of leaving something out of the report. 
or putting something into the report that changes the optics for somebody who might read it um, or when it makes its way to trial or, you know, this sort of thing. Um, and, you know, if police say it and we take it as verbatim, then again, that further contributes to the conditioning that we have. You know, police officer takes the stand, police officer wrote the report, the police officer, you know, whatever. It's very easy to cover up stuff if you're the one telling the story. Um, and it's not until we challenge that story uh, in a meaningful way that we actually get to deeper levels of the truth. Now, with this in mind, I want to be fair. Um, on my radio show, Civic Cipher, I, by nature of the show, have to be very critical of policing, I have to be very critical of any system that I feel has its roots in white supremacy and uh, creates harmful and disparate outcomes for black and brown people. That could be politics, that could be uh, fair housing, that could be discrimination of any kind. But I also have cited examples of police officers doing very heroic things. So I want us all to bear in mind that there are examples of the human beings doing the job in a flawed system. Policing is very flawed in my, in my opinion. But the human beings were, in fact, being very heroic. And there's also examples of cowardice. Uvalde comes to mind. And many others. But to give you an idea of where I'm going. And there's also those officers committed to the truth. And in recent months and years in my life, I have met people, human beings with beating hearts in their chest, who I believe to be good people, who happen to be law enforcement. Crazy as it sounds, but it's very true. And I had to learn that. And those folks, in my estimation, are committed to the truth and committed to fair, equitable outcomes for all people. And they are part of a system that does not provide a lot of wiggle room for people. And it's not really open to folks who want to make a change. It's very resistant to change. And there's nothing that really compels it to change. Fear, in fact, compels it to stay the same and then fortify itself against the very things charging it with changing, the very factors and forces in society that are challenging it to become better and fairer to all people. It's like a strange sort of catch-22, but there are people there. And then, of course, there are police officers that we talk about all the time on my show and this show, on my radio show and the show, who are not good folks. They are liars, they are corrupt, and they have power, and we don't question it. We don't ask, why do we trust the police? And they get on the stand, and they are testifying rather than testifying, and they, you know, uh, shape outcomes for people who look like me and look like my children. 
unfairly. And I think that our charge should be to try to have a critical examination of not just what we're seeing, but of ourselves and our biases. Because if I, a person who has historically been very critical of the police, can see that, hmm, okay, there are examples of police officers doing things that are good and bad and take a step back and rather look at the system and the outcomes uh, that the system shape, shapes and rather than blaming the victims, look at, okay, who's overly police? Where are the police? What do police do? They make arrests. Where are they? They're in these neighborhoods. Are they in the neighborhoods because that's where the bad people are? Or are they in those neighborhoods because fear compels folks to you know, move in this way? Because if you look at crime rates, or at crimes, like drug use, for instance, um, you know, their drug use is equal between black and white uh, drug users. Uh, marijuana comes to mind in particular. Um, this is a historical fact, but you understand where I'm, the point I'm making. Um, but way more people who are black are arrested for marijuana. And I think that illuminates what over-policing can do to a community. Um, and then, of course, we're just talking about policing, but you understand once you're introduced to a criminal justice system that also treats black and brown people unfavorably, we end up with a bit of a problem. And so um, I think that policing is a great place to start. And again, the question that we should all ask ourselves is, why do we trust police? Now, of course, maybe I missed something um, and you feel like we need to talk about it. So you know how to do that. I'm on all social media at Ramses Ja. And of course, on the iHeartRadio app, uh, you can use the red microphone talkback feature. Send me your thoughts. Let's have this conversation. And uh, wherever we're going, I know we're going to end up there together. So hopefully we'll have a, a more peaceful journey toward that end. All right. We'll talk again soon. Peace. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show is produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I'm your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media. Join us tomorrow as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. 
To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.